0: Welcome to the Movement Church podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com. That awkward moment when the pastor forgets to turn his mic on, right? It happens. Sometimes it happens. So, man, I feel like uh, nothing I can say can really um, top that excitement. I think I say that every time we have baptisms, but I just love seeing people take steps of obedience. I feel like uh, people are going to go home and be like, yeah, some guy said something after that, but I don't really remember because the baptisms were awesome. So uh, you'll have to just pretend to smile at me or something because I'm self-conscious up here again. That seems to be a recurring theme today. But uh, I'm excited, Uh, nonetheless, been excited about what we're going to talk about today. It is week Four in this summer vacation series and we have been taking a journey through the the book of Exodus. God did a lot in the book of Exodus. He did a lot with the nation of Israel. It was a time where he brought them out of slavery in Egypt and was taking them to the promised land in Canaan. I think sometimes the the nation of Israel understood what God was doing. He he understood what he was calling them to. But I don't know if they really got, wow, God's doing an amazing thing right now. We should learn some lessons and really grow through this time. And I think uh, the, the example we see from the nation of Israel in the book of Exodus is, is kind of how we go through summer vacation. Some of us are like, yay, summer's coming. It's Memorial Day. And the next thing we know, it's July 1st and it's rained every day. And we, we haven't had any fun. Or maybe we have been on vacation and we come back and we're, we're not even sure when school starts or when we have to go back to our job. And we're not sure if we're relaxed or, or not relaxed. And, and summer just happens. Sometimes there are period of, periods of time that, that just happen for us. And I think that this was one for Israel. It seems like they just kind of went through it. And sometimes they were just blindly running. Sometimes God was dragging their feet. But there were a lot of lessons that they could learn as God was was forming them. He was transforming them, and he was changing them and getting them ready for the promised land. In that that same spirit, we think that there are some big things around the corner for us as a church. I don't know if you know this or not, but today is June 28th, right? I'm not screwing that up. All right, all right. We have been what is called a, a church plant or a startup church for three years. That is not the case anymore, in two days, we're out of that, that phase. We've had some very generous individuals. We've had some churches and people that have come around us and said, "We want to help you get started. We want to kind of be a part of that process." And, and that period is is over. We are we are self-supporting. We're going to be self-leading, and we're going to be looking to the fall and, and to the future. Now, that might freak you out. Some of you might be thinking, "Wow, I didn't know that." And maybe maybe you're really afraid of that. I've had some of those times too. It's okay. I'm not judging you. All right, but I'm excited about what God is doing. What he's he's called us to, and the potential of Movement Church, and where he's placed us in Hilliard. And so I think that we have a lot that we can learn from the book of Exodus, as God was calling Israel to something real big around the corner. I think there are a lot of lessons uh, in the book of Exodus that that we can learn, and so that's why we've been doing this series for the summer. So we're going to continue that today. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 13, if you want to turn there. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, there's probably one under your seat in the seat around you somewhere. If you've got one of those Bibles, we're going to be on page 53. You can turn there, Exodus chapter 13. 13. If you don't have a copy of the Bible and you're thinking, you know what, I'm dying to read the whole book of Exodus this week in the New Living Translation, I would invite you to take that Bible that is on your seat, the one that you're holding home. We'd love for you to have that to be able to study and read. You can take that home, but we'll be in Exodus uh, chapter 13, like I said, to review what we've talked about. Uh, Week one of of this book, we talked about the fact that God was was sort of uh, setting up the resume of Moses. Moses was an Israelite who was raised by Egyptians, and so for someone who was going to be called to to bring Israel out of slavery in Egypt. He was a man who knew both peoples. God was kind of setting his resume and setting that up. And so week one, uh, we said there were a lot of times that That Moses messed up. There were a lot of times that it could have looked like God was done with him or that God had given up on him. Uh, But we said that just because you you mess up, just because you run away from God, doesn't mean that that He's done with you. The second week of this series, uh, we saw Moses being called to to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. And we saw uh, him him kind of dodging that. Moses didn't want to be a part of that. But we said sometimes there are moments where God clearly speaks to you. And when He calls you to something, the only answer is yes. The answer is not an excuse. The answer is not waiting see when God asks you to do something, the answer is yes. And then last week we talked about the fact that that we saw God being the deliverer of the Israelites, bringing them out of slavery and using plagues and different things, showing his power. And we said in the same way that God delivered the Israelites, we see Jesus deliver us all through the New Testament. And that's a common thread of the Bible. And so we want to jump in to chapter 13 here, week four, page 53. This is Exodus Chapter 13, verse 17. Let me read it. You can follow along. It says this When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though it was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, If the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear to do this. He said, God will certainly come to help you. When he does, you must take my bones with you from this place. Verse 20 says this, The Israelites left Succoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. This is kind of a, a weird passage. Last week we we did the, the bulk of what people think of when they think of Exodus, that exciting time where all these plagues came and and Moses was making frogs and gnats and water turn into blood and all these crazy things, and he said, Pharaoh, let my people go and, and they came out, right? If if this were a movie, you'd kind of think like, yeah, the story's basically over millions of people were let out of slavery, and they're, they're not being oppressed anymore. God provided for them. Let's roll the credits. The end. And yet this passage is one that, that sometimes gets overlooked, and that's why I'm excited that, that we can look at it today. Verse 17. Let me read this for you again. It's, it's, it's weird if you, if you take a look at this. It says, When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. Now, I feel like for a few books here in the Old Testament and for a long time, God's been saying, I want to take you to the promised land. And we just talked about how powerful God is, how great God is. And so if God's saying, I'm going to take you to the land of Canaan, I'm going to take you to the promised land, I'm going to flex my, my, my power and I'm going to do this, I'm going to make this happen, you would think that God being who he is would say, all right, that's the shortest way, let's do this. I'm going to show you how awesome I am. And yet, that's, that's not what this says. God did not take them on the main road. God did not lead them on the shortest route. God took Israel the long way. And we said that we can learn from this example. There are things that we can learn from Israel as they're in a time of of being formed and they're in a time of God growing them. So what can we learn from that? We can simply learn this. Sometimes God takes us the long way. Maybe maybe someone already wanted to shout amen. Maybe you're not sure if you're allowed to do that. Maybe you're not the kind of person that shouts amen. But maybe you're thinking, yep, that's the story of my life. God has taken me the long way college was the, the best seven years of your life, right? You're thinking that, that that's just, that's what you do, right? God, God takes you the long way. You know the long way. You, you, didn't, you didn't feel like you really grew up until you were 30 or maybe that's, that's just part of your story. But sometimes God takes us the long way and God took Israel the long way in this story. God took them the way he wanted them. He didn't take them the, the shortest route. He didn't take them on the, the easiest route. He didn't take them on the, the obvious route. I love that it, it says this. It says, if the people are faced with a battle, this is what God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So I'm sure there was a, a moment that they were thinking, hey, aren't we going the, the long way? Wait, doesn't, why is God taking us this way? Is, is Moses leading this or is God still leading this? this we, should have, we should have gone there. I'm sure there's been a moment in your life or there will be a moment in your life where you doubt God's GPS. You ever have that friend that you, you follow somewhere because they looked it up on their phone? You're just, you're just the car behind them and then you're, you're starting to wonder. You kind of knew where you were going but you wanted to let them feel like they were in control and feel cool and then you're thinking, hey, we're going the wrong way. Hey, we're getting more lost. The place we were trying to go is back there there had to be that moment for Israel where they thought, where is God taking us? What is God doing? I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting lost. We're, we're feeling pretty lost here. I don't understand what's, what he's doing. What, what is God doing? Sometime, sometimes God takes us the long way. We don't understand why, but this, this tells us in the case of Israel, there was a good chance, or there was a 100% chance, if God would have taken them the shortest way, it would have seemed the easiest, the most obvious but they probably would have faced a battle. They would have been going through enemy territory if, if and when they would have faced a battle, if and when they would have faced adversity, if and when there would have been something that, that was even mildly difficult. They would have said, oh, this is too much. Let's just, let's just go back to Egypt. I, I can't do this. So they could have thought, hey, our amazing God just freed us from hundreds of years of slavery and we got to leave with a bunch of money and all these treasures and things because people were giving it to us on the way out of town and and God flexed his power and we saw all of these things, I'm sure he'll provide for us again. And yet, God knew and God is saying, if there would have been a tiny bump in the road, if there would have been anything that would have even been kind of slightly wrong, they would have been Debbie Downer. They would have said, Oh, this is terrible. God has turned his back on us. He's forgotten about us. We have to go back to Egypt. He doesn't even love us. He doesn't know who we are. Where is he taking us? And so God took them the long way. God took them his way. Now, why would he do that? Because sometimes we think the problem is the, the situation that we're in, but the problem is, is us. The Israelites like to think that the problem that they were in, the problem was Egypt, right? Oh, we're in slavery and this is holding us down. This is why we can't be who God has called us to be. We just need to get out of this problem and everything will be better. Everything will be greater. This this is the problem. This is, this is what's holding us back. What was holding them back was not, not just Egypt. What was holding them back was their lack of trust in who God was and what he wanted them to do. So, so once you took the Israelites out of Egypt, they still had Egypt in their hearts. They still didn't trust where he was taking them, what he was calling them to do, what he was asking them to do. They couldn't keep their eyes on him. They couldn't trust him. He had shown his character. He had shown his power. He had guided them. He had done everything he said he was gonna do. All he wanted was their eyes on him, and they couldn't do that. He knew if they faced a battle, if anything went wrong on that path they wanted to go on, on the shortest, easiest, most obvious path to take, they would have turned their back, they would have thrown their hands up and just said, God, you've abandoned us. You're done with us. You left us. What's going on? And so sometimes God will take us the long way. And sometimes we think the problem is the situation, but the problem is often us. So God is taking us the long way because he's wanting to transform us, because he's wanting to change us. There's a verse in scripture that says that he's the potter and we're the clay, and so maybe he's wanting to smooth some of our rough edges. Maybe he's wanting to say, this is something I I want to see different in your life. This is a way that I want to change you. This is a way that I want to transform you. This is a way that I want you to trust me and look to me. And let's be honest, we all have ways that we don't trust God. We all have ways that that he's probably trying to change us and form us right now, and we're not listening. And so we're thinking, why can't he just make this thing go away? I know where I want to go. I want to go to the promised land. Why doesn't he just get me there? Why won't he just take me there and make this better? Because getting there, wherever you want to go, is probably not the destination. The destination is is that point when you learn to consistently, continually keep your eyes on him and trust him. And he's probably taken you the long way to form you and to mold you and to change you. Some of you in the room know that I, I have a sickness for setting people up on blind dates. It's something that consumes my life and my Twitter feed, and you know that, you know that, so I don't have to tell you more, but uh, I, I often joke and talk to people, and they're like, I just, I just want to meet someone, and I just want to get married, you know, and like that's the, the silver bullet of the, the problem. Like, if I could find a husband, everything would be better. God is taking you the long way relationally, right? Maybe, maybe you think like, if I could just find that guy or if I could just meet the girl, everything would be better. And the reality is God's taking you the long way because you haven't learned to keep your eyes on him. You haven't learned to trust him yet. And so finding the guy or finding the girl is not going to be this magical, perfect thing that you think it is because that's not the destination. The destination is learning to trust him and keep your eyes on him and follow him. talk to people all the time who say they hate their job and there's a there's a company they want to work for there's a there's a job they want to have and I don't mean that wanting a new job is bad but I think sometimes we put too much effort too much thought into that do you really think there's a job that you could get that would make all of your all of your sorrow go away you'd never have a problem again no one at that company fights they give bonuses every day of the year you get, a, you get a free back massage for lunch and then they pay for your lunch. It's, it's perfect at that company. That career doesn't exist. That job doesn't exist. And yet we think that way. And so God has kept you in a career or in a job that you're not crazy about. God has kept you in a spot that you're not crazy about. Maybe he's taking you the long way. Sometimes God has to take us the long way. And we think that the problem is the place that we are or the, the thing we're in the middle of, and the problem is that we can't trust him, we can't look to him, we can't keep our eyes on him, and we can't follow him. And we've heard people share their stories in the last few weeks of ways that God has taken them the long way. We had couples share about struggles with, with infertility and in ways that, that God has molded them and formed them and shaped them, and so sometimes it's it's something like that. Sometimes it's our career, sometimes it's relationships. God uses a lot of different things to take us the long way. There are moments during the week, sometimes... That I think, I wonder what else I could do Other than be a pastor And then I remember that I have really no redemptive skills Or nothing that anyone would want to hire me for And and so I get over that quick But there are times that we're all discouraged, right? And we we dream about another life And this this other place and doing other things I'm just being honest, please don't fire me, okay? Uh, But there there are times that we, we think about Oh, that's the promised land I just want to get away from this problem Why is God doing this? Why is God dragging me through this? Why is God taking me the long way? Why isn't this problem over? And the problem is not the problem. We're the problem. Just like we said, God took the Israelites out of Egypt, but we couldn't take Egypt out of the Israelites. He couldn't take their doubt and their lack of trust and their lack of keeping their eyes on him out of them. And so they showed that in their character. They showed that as they continued. Verse 21, if you remember what we read, says this. The Lord went ahead of them. As he was guiding them in this process, as he was guiding them in this time, the Lord went ahead of them. It says, he guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. That sounds pretty awesome to me. I wish... Sometimes when I was faced back in the day with a different job or a different opportunity that God would say, go over here, dummy. There's a a pillar of fire right there. Just follow me. How nice would that be if God was just guiding you by a cloud or by a pillar of fire and all you had to do was just blindly walk toward that. All you had to do was follow what he had in front of you. That's the situation that he gave to Israel and yet I can't help but think That they were thinking, yeah, this stupid cloud's in front of me. I can't, I can't see anything. We've all done that, right? When we're sitting in traffic and there's like 900 cars stopped in front of us, but we kind of do the little bob and weave to see around the one car in front of us because they're, they're, they're mostly the problem, right? It's not the other 899 people. It's that car in front of you that keeps riding their brakes so much and complicating your life. We want to see what's next. We want to be in control, and that's what we see with the nation of Israel. We see them not wanting to look to God, not wanting to follow God, not wanting to be guided by God. He was clearly taking them somewhere. He had clearly shown his power. He had clearly shown that he could provide for them. He had delivered them from slavery. He had kept all of his promises, and he was moving them to the promised land, but that wasn't enough, and they hadn't learned to look to him or keep their eyes on him. They wanted to know what was in front of that. That cloud? What was around the, the fire? Yeah, he's providing for us in every way and we can travel 24 hours a day, day or night, and he's protected us in every way, but, but I want to see where I'm going. I want to see what I'm doing. And so God took them the long way. And God took them the long way because they had a problem and they were the problem. And the problem was that they couldn't keep their eyes on him. They couldn't keep their focus on him. They couldn't look to him. And so he guided them, he provided them, he was in front of them, and it wasn't enough. So what can we learn from the example of the Israelites as we enter this next phase as a church? We can learn what our big idea for the day says, that God will guide you if you keep your eyes on him and trust him. That probably sounds like something that your grandma would say and then you'd walk out the door and forget it, and yet it's true. And it's a a serious statement. No one here can pretend to know where God's going to take our individual lives or exactly where God is going to take us as a church, but we want to keep our eyes on him and we want to trust him. And there are going to be moments that we'll be tempted to not do that. There are going to be moments that we want more control. There are going to be moments that we want more details and we want to see what's going on. And We want to see what's around the corner. And God's going to say, I've told you all I need to tell you. I'm right here guiding you. I need you to follow me and I need you to trust me. And we're faced with a, with a choice. We can grumble We can complain, we can turn around and take our ball and go home like it says that that the Israelites would have been tempted to do or we can follow him, we can trust him, we can put our faith in him and know that he's enough, know that he's delivered us, know that he's provided for us, know that he's taken care of us and know that he has power know that his character says that he will deliver on his promises and he will be everything and do everything that he said that he will do and that he's taking us to the promised land, that he's taking us where he wants us and that he's forming us just as he wants us. We had baptisms today and we talked about people who would have trusted Jesus with their life. Some of us know of God Some of us know of his power. We believe in God or a God. Maybe you've never heard that God created you in his image. God created you in his image to know him. That was his original plan. And that's what we see with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. That plan was, was disrupted when, when sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, we see that, that man became separated from God. We're separated from God because of our selfishness, because of our desire to not follow him, and because of our desire to do things our own way. The Bible says that our sin separates us from God. The Bible also says that God loved us so much in spite of that sin that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, his perfect son, to this world, fully God, fully man, to live as a man among, among the world, he was, he was without sin. He was perfect. And so there came a time he was accused of wrongdoing, and Jesus was put on trial and Jesus was eventually crucified and killed on a cross and, and he died on the cross and he didn't go there because, because the trial got things right or because, because he had done anything. He went to the cross because there's a punishment for our sins, there's a punishment for our selfishness and there's a punishment for the wrong things that we do. It doesn't just keep us from God but the punishment is separation from God and death, torment and life, life separated from God and hell and Jesus came and died and gave his life to pay the price for that punishment. The Bible says that when Jesus gave his life, that he paid that price completely. And if we understand who Jesus is, how he gave his life for us, if we confess that with our mouth and we believe that in our heart, believing in our heart just simply means that we understand that he gave his life for us, that we understand that we can live our life for him, we can commit our life to him. And he can change the way that we, we talk, the way that we work, the way that we, we play, the way that, that, that we're married, our relationships. He can change everything about us and, and his life can fill our life, that we can live our life for him. The Bible says when we're ready to make that commitment that it's, it's a simple, easy commitment to talk to God and say, Lord, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, I want him in my heart. I want him to change my heart and change my life. I want to live for him. It's a simple commitment and yet it's a very serious commitment and real commitment. For some people in the room, maybe you've, you've never heard that, maybe you've never thought about that, but that's the way that Jesus is asking you to trust him and to follow him today. Some of you have made that commitment and you're, you're tiptoeing, you're thinking about your faith and what, what God is calling you to and he's saying, I need you to trust me. I need you to trust what I say in my word. I need you to trust that I'm going to restore your marriage. I need you to trust that I'm, I'm going to get you that new job eventually, but I need you to keep your eyes on me. I'm going, to, I'm going to add to your family. I'm going to take you to the promised land, the thing you've been praying about, but I need you to keep your eyes on me. The decision that we're faced with after looking at this example today is how is God asking us to trust him and follow him? For some of you, it might be a first-time decision where you say, I understand who Jesus is. I understand that he's given his life for me and I want to live my life for him. If that's a decision that you want to make today, I'd love to invite you to visit the next steps table. We have a table in the back where you can get involved and, and take next steps just as that table says, but the first step that you can take is asking how to have a relationship with Jesus. If you've already made that decision, but you've been, you've been struggling with something, you've been, you've been bitter about something, you feel like God's been taking you the long way on something, and you're wondering, what is the next step? The next step is not trying to look at at what's next after what's next after what's next after what's next. The next step is not trying to control everything or micromanage everything. The next step is following God and trusting God as he is in front of you right now if that's a cloud, if that's a pillar of fire, if you want to see around that and you want to see what's next, but he's saying, I'm taking you the long way, I'm taking you the way that I need to to transform you and to change you and to keep your eyes on me, to keep you trusting me, you need to say, Lord, I I accept that and I will keep my eyes on you. I will trust you. I will not try to see what's next. I will not be distracted. I will follow you. Sometimes God takes us the long way. Sometimes God takes us the long way because we think that there's a problem, but the problem is, is really us. And we need to learn that God will, will guide you if you keep your eyes on him and if you trust him. That's what we want to learn as a church as we look to the future. That's what we want to learn today. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you that you ask us to trust you and to follow you. Thank you that you ask us to keep our eyes on you. Lord, there are times that we're selfish and we want, we want to know more. We want to know details. We want to know the problem. We want to know what's going on. And you just simply want us to look to you and to follow you, to give our devotion to you. God, I pray. I pray for us as a church. I pray for, for those in this room today, Lord. Maybe someone that's their first time or They're not sure where they stand with you, Lord. I pray that you will give them the courage to trust you, to put their life in your hands, to trust that the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, is enough, that they can have relationship with you, that they can be found in you. Lord, I pray whatever problems we're going through, whatever ways we're not trusting you, that you will ask us to give those things to you, to put them in your hands, to look to you. Lord, issues of of infertility, issues of our career, issues of relationships, issues of ways that we want control. God, help us to give you control. Lord, not begrudgingly, but to be excited about letting you lead us. Lord, help us to be excited about following you and looking to you. God, I pray that just as our vision says, that we'll continually take steps of obedience, steps to follow you, steps to be found in you, And that people will see that in us. That the world will see that in us. Lord, most of all, that as we're found in you, that we'll glorify you, that we'll make you happy, that we'll worship you and respond to your love, your guidance with our lives. Lord, I thank you for today. Thank you for the chance to be assembled as your church. It's in your name I pray, amen.